0: Everybody's heard the term space junk. You probably know there's a lot of it, and that it's a risk to satellites. The Space Force tracks tens of thousands of pieces of debris every day, but that's only the big stuff. An estimated 100 million small bits, 10 centimeters or less, are out there. They're invisible from Earth, though, with current technology. But just because they're small doesn't mean they're not dangerous, as our next guest is about to explain. Alexis Truitt is a program manager at the Intelligence Advanced Research Projects Agency, and IARPA is just getting started with a program called Cintra to track these small objects. IARPA held an industry day this month to describe the technical challenge, and it expects to release a broad agency announcement to get vendors under contract to help solve it pretty soon. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu spoke with Truitt for the details.
1: Right now, there's less than 1% of debris that could cause mission-ending damage that is currently tracked. These pieces of debris are traveling very fast, over 22,000 miles per hour. So collisions are more like explosions rather than breakups. And if you think about a one centimeter object colliding with a satellite, um, the amount of energy that's produced in that collision is the equivalent of a hand grenade going off. Um, small debris, millimeter-sized debris can cause significant damage too. So even a 10-millimeter piece of debris colliding with a CubeSat, that's the equivalent of, of a motorcycle colliding with that CubeSat going 60 miles per hour. Um, so these, can, these small pieces of debris can cause significant damage, especially depending on where, where they're colliding. They could be hitting a, a, a science instrument, a, a fuel tank, a solar array panel, and completely um, impairing what the mission is for that satellite.
2: And, and is there a lot of precedent for these collisions actually happening? I mean, I'm trying to get a sense of how theoretical this problem is, or is it more in the realm of a low probability, very high consequence event?
1: It's a good question. So the debris population has been increasing, and there are um, two events that cause significant Population increases historically. So there was a Cosmos Iridium collision. So a collision between two communication satellites, and and then there was um, a Chinese ASAT demonstration um, where they actually launched from the ground a missile to. Um, destroy one of their defunct satellites between those two um events we they have increased the population of debris over 40 percent and as a result um, the satellite owners and operators continue to get uh frequent uh, alerts as to potential collisions with their satellites and it's hard it's hard not knowing what type of debris the size of the debris um, the material the speed of that debris, it's hard to um, do an accurate risk assessment uh, for the potential damage to your satellite. So a satellite owner or operator might make a different decision if they knew that piece of debris that was colliding with them was a piece of metal versus a piece of insulation material or styrofoam. Um, And especially if if that satellite has a limited amount of fuel or maneuverability, it could could really um, make a different difference in the decision that's
2: made. Yeah, that that leads me to what I was going to ask you next, which is once, you know, if Cintra achieves its goal and you're now able to track these hundred million pieces out there, what what do operators actually do with that information or or, or do governments do with that information?
1: Sure. So it's going to help improve the risk assessment. If we can improve the accuracy at which we're detecting, tracking, and characterizing debris, especially since the space dyna- environment is so dynamic, um, we really need a more persistent way to monitor the debris population because a piece of debris. Um, that we're we're tracking right now, the the overall evolution of that orbit over time because of the dynamic environment may change, and so we're we're going to need some persistence. Um, that's going to improve on the accuracy of the potential collision uh, conjunctions that are called conjunctions. The reports that we provide to satellite owners uh, that'll improve the accuracy and help inform the the decisions that they're making.
2: So tell us a, a bit about the actual Sintra program. When when do you think you'll potentially have something up and running and then tell us a little bit about some of what you heard from proposers at your recent proposer's day.
1: Sure. So we held a proposer's day um, on August 10th. Um, We held it in the D.C. area. During that time, we announced our plans for the central program. Um, We are planning for a 48-month program, multi-phase program that aims to detect, track, and characterize debris and persistently monitor the debris population. Um, this is a, such a hard problem that we believe it's going to be a multidisciplinary endeavor. We we saw a variety of proposed solutions, and they range from improving our current optical and radar capabilities from the ground. Our space surveillance network does an incredible job of detecting and tracking objects that are greater than 10 centimeters in size. Some proposers are um, proposing novel and innovative ways to look at that data in a new way. Um, There are other proposed solutions that involve computational approaches. So trying to find objects and data that haven't been detected previously using new algorithms to detect objects that are um, very dim in the data. And we call those low signal to noise. And then there are some new approaches with Quantum detectors, new technology, quantum detectors, based array antennas, and even um, plasma probes measuring the plasma density around objects. And so there's such a wide variety of solutions that there, there's much potential in, in, in seeing where Centric could go.
2: And why did IARPA decide now is the time to actually give this a shot? Were you able to see technologies emerging in the marketplace that, that led you to believe this is this is actually now doable?
1: yeah there were two components one new technology new research in the fields of debris detection and tracking um, the advances with computational algorithms and development of new radar and optical sensors even lidar and quantum sensors and then also the the um, priority that's being recognized across government agencies and industry and academia as to the need for a solution to the debris problem so most recently the white house uh, released an orbital debris research and development plan in 2021 that emphasized the need for government agencies to coordinate on orbital debris research. And they followed up with a um, research implementation plan in 2022. So the combination of the advances in, in technology and, and the recognized need for a solution is, are part of the reasons why ARPA decided to pursue this program.
2: And if this pans out and and you end up with with a viable program or a viable family of technologies that that can actually meet your objectives, where does it transition to? I assume IARPA doesn't run it in perpetuity.
1: That's true. We we don't have an operational mission. Um, We're hoping to push the envelope in a field of research where it's greatly needed. So we typically invest in high-risk, high-payoff research that couldn't be uh, supported otherwise um, or it might be too far ahead on the horizon. The okay. And we could have multiple transition partners, and that's what we look forward to the most. And so traditionally, IARPA supports transition to the Department of Defense and the intelligence community, but uh, debris is a worldwide issue, and uh, we were working closely with all aspects of the orbital debris community.
2: And just curious, I mean, it's easy to see why this this debris field problem would be uh, an issue for the intelligence community, but it's a problem for a lot of other operators as well. How did this become uh, an IARPA? IRP mission, how did you end up with the task of solving this problem?
1: Sure. So personally, my my research, my dissertation research focused on the detection and tracking of orbital debris. Um, having worked in in, in the DOD, ICA, in, in the intelligence community and NASA as well, i I saw it throughout my career where orbital debris plays a significant is a significant risk to all space missions. And it was just very timely. With the White House um, orbital debris R and D plan, and and the recognized need for a solution, I I think that the stars aligned here that allowed me to to transition to IRPA and to pursue this program.
2: You mentioned that this is going to be a 48 month program. Is the idea that at the end of that 48 months, the hope is to have something that you know could go into operation, or or what what, what happens at the end of that 48 months? What's the goal at the end of that 48 months?
1: So during that 48 months, we're going to be advancing research in a field that's still very early in its stages. Um, So we hope to develop that research to a position where it could be demonstrated. And at that point, we would look to transition to multiple transition partners with their own operational needs and help support that transition as much as we can.
0: Alexis Truitt, the IARPA program manager leading a program called Sintra to track small pieces of space debris, speaking with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. Find this interview together with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com/federaldrive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows.
2: This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First,